Pollos Hermanos for something delicious is always cooking. This is the West Coast Project podcast for Better Call Saul. My name is Mike, and I'm here with Kelly from Better Call Saul Fun Facts. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And that was Gus wishing us a Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're something that's always fresh and cooking. We're uh, we're back with Better Call Saul doing the recaps of Breaking Bad. We left off with 407 right, I think, on Christmas Day or the day before. Um, 407 was Problem Dog. And at that point, Hank was asking the guys in the DEA office how Gus's prince could have possibly gotten into Gail's apartment. So um, 408 Kelly Hermanos, I told you last time this was one of my favorite episodes of season four. I actually have two, a dual co-favorite for my favorites, and it's Hermanos and Salud. And the reason I like both Hermanos and Salud is the interaction with the Mexican cartel when they go down into Mexico. Um, yes, absolutely. Those are very popular uh, with my readers as well. Uh, that The Mexico flashbacks and scenes really are uh, well-received with the audiences. Shows how close that danger really is, and and I, I don't know, I, I guess Gus is dangerous and, you know, Tuco is dangerous up here in Texas and New Mexico and all around the border. But really down in that cartel territory, that's where it really seemed really, really ominous to me. Yeah. And you notice the color schemes will always change when it shows Mexico versus New Mexico. It's always a grittier kind of yellowish color. Yeah, I got that in my notes, actually. I wanted to talk to you about it. So um, this episode pretty much starts and closes with flashbacks. We see the flashback of Gus and Walt at the hospital right after Hank's shooting. And the surviving assassin cousin isn't expected to live very long. It looks like they're having kind of a uh, chicken party. Gus has ordered up chicken for everyone at the hospital and all the cops are there. Um, they're all there to support Hank, but he's um, he's helping them celebrate a little bit or support Hank, if not if not a celebration. Right, always the good guy uh, hiding in plain sight. And uh, we we see Tio listening in. Tio uh, Hector listening in at the retirement home on the news about these two cousins meeting meeting up with Hank and getting shot. One of them has been killed, and it all happens the same day. I think in the morning. The one is shot and killed, and Hank is in the hospital. And then in the afternoon or evening of that day, the other one dies. It's, it's on the same day, right? Right. Did you notice uh, that Mike was the one that kills him? Yeah. Okay, I hadn't noticed that until I went back and read the notes. And um, I didn't realize that he had slipped out. Yeah, he kind of sneaks by in the end of the scene and the end of the in, in the end of the scene and drops a sharp or some sort of poison syringe or something into that sharp container right so that kind of just broadened mike's duties uh i know that he's definitely will uh take a bullet and but i didn't realize that he would um take him out like that yeah pretty obvious too everyone was it was kind of staring in at the cousin that the last cousin to live but the uh the elusive mike snuck around the, the side and dropped that stuff off and just snuck out of the, the out of the hospital room that way yeah well done Pretty cool. But, um, okay, let's go through this. I don't know if it's all in exact order, but we jump from that flashback to present time. And Walt and another patient are in the oncology clinic. And it's really not Walt. It's Heisenberg giving advice uh, that the patient should be in charge of his fate. Yeah, he really interrupts the guy to make to leave a message for Jesse. And the guy was kind of spitballing with him with kind of his feelings on on having cancer and Walt 
slash Heisenberg was having none of it, was very rude to the guy. Um, next, we see Gus meeting at the DEA with uh, Hank, Gomi, Merkert, and Officer Tim. They're basically meeting after that 407 where we left Hank wondering why the fingerprints could be in Gail's apartment. Then they're asking Gus now, how did your fingerprints get into this crime scene? And Gus offers up right away that he was in Gail's apartment. So he takes the best defense by taking offense and uh, takes tells a story of, it's kind of a lie, I guess, but the, how he started the Max Scholarship 15 years ago. Crazy Eight's real name is Max Arseniega, and this character in this episode, Max, is his, uses Crazy Eight's real name. Mm-hmm. Kind of weird, huh? Yeah. But uh, Gail was apparently the recipient of the scholarship that Gus had set up in Max's name. We're going to learn about Max a little bit later on, but um, he tells the story that Gail came to Gus to ask for money, and that's how they cross paths. That's why his fingerprints are in his apartment. Gus has an alibi, though, for that night. He was at Memorial Hospital the night of that, um, I guess, the shooting of Gail. Now, was that the night? I was trying to make this connection, Kelly. Is that the Memorial Hospital scene that we see in the flashback? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. You know, it was a, quite a coincidence that that's his alibi, and then the very first thing we saw in this whole episode was him at the hospital, you know, dealing the chicken out and being kind of pressing the flesh with all the cops. Right, right. That could be. Uh, it's interesting, too, when you when they uh, first show the scene, they show Victor on the wall as a point of interest. Uh, so that might have rattled his nerves, too, when he first walked in to see that on the wall. Yeah, kind of a rep- representation of Victor, like an artist rendering of, of Victor. Mm-hmm. It looked a little bit like him. It didn't really resemble him too closely, I thought. I thought it looked pretty close. Yeah, I guess those are those are if they're pretty close, they're good enough. Yeah, because he was in and out of there. Okay, now we get into this little mystery about Hank and Chili, and this is one of the most um, beleaguering things for me about the whole Breaking Bad series. Is what what was Hank doing in Chili, and what was his legacy there, and what happened there that made him so important, um, and what is he worried about people finding out about from him being in Chili? So. Um, Hank asked Gus if Gus is his real name and what about your life in Chile there's no record of it Um, and apparently what happened is he moved in 1986 to Mexico from Chile and then in in 1989 he moved from Mexico to the USA and Hank is suspicious of all this Um, he's more suspicious than the other guys in the room they tend to believe Gus but he's he's not buying it yeah, they're they're all just taking his story, and yep, that sounds good. But Hank's definitely not buying it. And you're right, the 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 '89 year where they have the flashback um, is pretty much where it seems like it all began. And then he has no other paper trail. And then Gus is also kind of curious as to why he didn't mention that he knew Gail or uh, brought him up in any part of the investigation. Right. If you're such a good friend of the police, why wouldn't you have offered this information without us having to call you in? To, right. to get it from you. So, Kelly, what was Gus doing in Chile? Do you know? Do you have any theories, any guesses? I do not have any guesses or theories on that. Uh, it would be hard to tell. I mean, he comes here and he looked like he was, you know, really trying to make it in the drug world. And he was um, getting in trouble for giving out free samples, which we'll talk about later. But I, I wouldn't have any guess on what he would be doing in Chile. Gus is worried that people will find out what he was doing in Chile because he has mic check 
on it to see if he can come up with anything, and he's kind of happy that Mike can't find anything. Right. And it also, with we'll find from this guy, Don Eladio, that it saves Gus at that meeting that the people you know from Chile or the th- connections you have in Chile are saving you from what we'll see happens to Max. So in one way it helps him, and in one way now it could possibly hurt him. So I don't know. It's really it, I'm, I'm really wondering what it is that he did in Chile. Right, me too. They never really touched on that. Okay, so next we see our friend Saul. Saul and Huel are with Andrea, and they're making a delivery of Jesse's weekly or monthly. I guess he's giving her a little bit of cash every month to pay for her house, her apartment. Um, he's turned into Jesse's agent now, <laughs> which was kind of funny. He's like his delivery boy. Um, I liked how he kidded around with Brock, though, in that scene. He's, he's, uh, he related some of his young boy as Saul young boy dealings with females to Brock. Right, I like that too. It's good to see that side of him. And I found the neighbor that was watering her lawn staring at Huel, who's this big African-American man with the security jacket on standing out front of her house. Um, yeah, the whole scene was very comical, and it was nice to see him playing around with Brock. Yeah, Brock just needs attention. He probably needs male attention. And even a guy like Saul, who's kind of a wise-ass, probably not the best influence for a little innocent kid. You could tell Brock was kind of eating it up. Right. I think the rent was $1,200 per month for the house, and then they were bringing her a little bit extra. Uh, but funny that, that Saul would be the one to bring that over to her each week. You think that would be kind of beyond his duties? Yeah, Saul with Huel and with Jesse riding kind of in the back just just to see them do it. It was pretty mm-hmm. interesting. So Andrea asks about Jesse, and Jesse asks about Andrea, and they don't ever talk directly. Um, so, Andrea, why was Jesse keeping himself isolated from Andrea, do you think? I think that he had broken up with her, and he just wanted to kind of keep keep his distance where he could still do his due diligence, but he didn't really want to be part of it. But then when Saul says, well, I don't mind dropping these checks off, but you need to ask yourself, he gets out of the car and heads towards her house. So we as the audience can kind of speculate that maybe he did go to, to speak with her. Yeah, I don't think he did, though. There was one point in the past where, where Walt kind of said to Jesse, if you're going to be a good criminal, you got to be free of people that can get probably get hurt by you being a criminal. Mm-hmm. So I think Jesse's being generous by staying away from Andrea and, and Brock. Mm-hmm. He, you could tell he, want, he misses them and he'd rather, he'd rather go up and talk to them. Right. But I don't think he does. Yeah, it doesn't really show either way. So I guess it's kind of left up to your opinion on what he does. Next, we see Skylar shrink-wrapping the money. She's got um, problems now with all this cash that Walt's delivering to her. So she's shrink-wrapping clothes and with money kind of wrapped up in the clothes with it. And remember Walt's pink sweater from very early in the series? Yes. Yes. That was one of the first things she shrink-wrapped. Right. Which probably should have stayed shrink-wrapped forever. Yeah, that's a good catch. She's just not cut out for this. Um, you know, it, it's cute that she's trying to figure out a way, but then, you know, the, the whole thing collapses down and, um, you know, she's trying to break bad in her, way, her own way, but I don't know about shrink wrapping all that heavy money and trying to hang it up. <laughs> yeah, so it all ends up in the crawl space, which would probably look pretty suspicious if you were ever searching the house and you saw this shrink wrap clothing laying on the dirt of the crawl space just doesn't look right right you'd open it up right away to to check it out probably right 
Um, but Walt announces to everybody that his remission is staying good, that it's not coming back, and it's it, you know his health it checks out good. And Marie brags about the DEA, the big meeting that uh, Hank was just in. And uh, Hank and Walt make a rock show date to go out and check out some more minerals. Um, right. But it's really uh, it's really a trip that Hank wants Walt to take him on to check out Poyos Hermanos and slap a device onto Gus's car. That it's a GPS device that tracks wherever he goes. Um, but this whole deal makes Hank makes Walt really worry for Hank's safety. Uh, he knows Gus isn't going to stand for Hank snooping around and catching him do stuff. Right, exactly. That that bug too is uh, Vince had thought of that idea because he saw it in a sky mall. <laughs> so that's how that came to be. Uh, just like Tortuga stuff, huh? He must have really <laughs> been a fan of Sky Mall magazine. Yeah, that's true, right? So Walt ends up pleading Gus for mercy on Hank. Um, even going to Jesse and telling him that, hey, it's tonight. You got to hit this guy. You got to take him out tonight because bad stuff's going to happen if you don't. Um, right. You said that that line. Um, what was it? Gus Hank casting Hank catching Gus means. Uh, uh, Hank catching us. Right. And that's true. Mm-hmm. Hank catches Gus. They're wrapped up in everything Gus has got going. So we see Gus go to see Tio, uh, old Uncle Hector, and tells him the whole deal. He's not going to be working with the cartel. He shut down their offer. And, of course, Hector is is the cartel. So he's essentially telling him, fuck you. Fuck, you, fuck your friends and fuck you, too. Right. We're going to learn why in a minute. But... um. The scene, that scene with Hector, Kelly, is intercut with those dreamy yellow slow-motion water, gently lapping water on the sides of the pool with little, little tinges of red coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and a very cool, warm, super warm, yellow, comfortable light that makes it seem all cozy. But it's really the opposite. Right. Does yellow represent danger, Kelly, for you in this in this meaning of the... Yellow meaning Mexico, Mexico meaning danger. Do you think that's what it means? Yes, because uh, if you go back to when, um, uh, what is her name, the little um, heroin girl, Jane, when she when she overdoses, that is all in yellow, and Jesse's wearing yellow during that time, and yellow is definitely a sign of no good things ahead. Yeah, and, and Gus is wearing his yellow Poyos shirt, and Poyos is pretty rife with yellow the yellow sign and the red on the yellow letters and all that but this the coolest flashback with the show for me is is this in salute and the and these are my favorite moments of season four um they put this episode bug in between uh hermanos and salute and i think it's probably to give us a chance to catch our breath because what they do in salute is pretty much based on what they um what they start here in Hermanos, even though it's a, there's an episode in between them. Right. But this was another caper within a caper. I, I really like those, like the train caper and the going down to Mexico. It's like a little adventure within the whole series, Breaking Bad. Um, and the, the police magnet erasure deal. I like those little capers that they have in this series. Right. It's very Vince Gilligan. He's, he's really big on that kind of thing, the Old West and the kind of caper movies with Pulp Fiction and... Uh, he really likes that type of scenario. All right, so let's go down to Mexico. It's another flashback, and it's 1989. This is when Gus was still in Mexico, 
and it's a Scarface reunion, Kelly. We're going to see Stephen Bauer and Mark Margolis, who are Tio and Don Eladio, and they were both in the movie Scarface with Al Pacino. And do you remember them from that movie? I do. And he is Stephen Bauer was also in in um, an old movie called Copwise with Jonathan Banks. Yeah, Stephen Bauer was the pretty boy brother of this really attractive girl that was he was Tony Montagna's uh, buddy in Scarface. He looked really young and like a baby face almost back then. But uh, now he's Don Eladio. So we see Gus and his partner, Max. Help me with this name. Is it Arsieniga? I always just say Arsienga, but uh, I'm not 100% on how that would be pronounced. It's A-R-C-I-N-I-E-G-A. So Arseniega. 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 Anyway, Max. We'll call him Max. Gus and Max are at the pool of uh, Don Eladio's Mexican Hacienda. And we see Tio walk out, a much younger Tio. Um, and he takes a leak in the pool, <laughs> just total disdain for the whole place. And somebody sees him doing it and says, what are you doing? You're going you're gonna to get in trouble. And Tio's just a whole, you know, he's like, fuck you. I don't care. Fuck that. Let me get in trouble, whatever. What are you going to do? Who's going to tell on me? He's just really bold. Um, but we see, the, uh, we see the Don Eladio now come out and meet with Gus and Max. And they start talking about their chicken their chicken deal. They're the, they're the Poyos Hermanos. That was their business back then. Right. Yeah. Um, but they don't like how they arranged the meeting with with Eladio, which was essentially giving giving his men drugs so that they would talk about them and make Don Eladio curious and then have to meet with Gus and Max. Yeah, he didn't like that they were giving out samples. And then uh, they were, he was thinking that they were trying to do this under his nose, or literally, uh, pardon the pun. Right. So definitely it did get his attention, but it didn't make him very happy. Now, what, what's a good analogy for this Don Eladio guy? Um, he's kind of like, did you ever watch The Wire, Kelly? No. Well, The Wire had a couple big name crooks in it. One was a real progressive one that wanted to take everything forward and be more like a business, and one was an old-school thug. And Don Eladio is kind of like an old school thug, because um, these guys really do have a good idea. He, they want to take, they want to give him a product that he can control, not need other people to supply the the precursor for. He can control it and deliver it as he needs without having to wait for deliveries from South America or Central America. And that product, of course, is meth. And but he thinks meth is the poor man's cocaine, and it's for bikers and hillbillies, and there's no money in it. Um, but they they do a good job, I think, of convincing him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's basically saying, yeah, exactly. It's just kind of a trash drug. It's it's not going to take off. And he's saying, well, you know, you can have a minimal capital investment and have large quantities, and it's a win win. Um, but and I meant to say earlier too that Stephen Barrow and Jonathan Banks were in Wise Guy, so that please make that correction. Yeah, they're all they're all pretty fraternal in all these kind of cop and criminal adventure shows that they that they've shared in their past. Um but these guys are good chemists, Max and and Gus. I guess especially more especially Max, he's the chemist and he can train them how to make this product in Mexico. He's handing he's, if Don Eladio would have it, he's handing him this business. 
Um, I don't know what they were going to ask out of it. Probably something to get get started. But they're ha- they're handing him this business opportunity, and he shuts it down. He doesn't want to. He does. His more. He's like the. I guess he's like the Mexican Heisenberg. I guess is what I'm trying to say. His ego is so hurt by the way that they set up this meeting, by giving the samples and hurting his uh, pride, that he, you know, he does what we see him do to poor Max, and essentially Max is the red stain in the pool in the next few scenes. Right, because he, if he's such a, he has such a large connection being in the cartel, he doesn't need their their um, business. He can start it on his own and just kind of like a Heisenberg and just use their idea. Yeah, they do. They pull a little bit of a fake out on us because they they make Don Eladio turn to Gus and say, "If he's such the great chemist and cook, why do I need you?" And Max starts to defend Gus. And the next minute, we see Tio walk up and shoot Max of all people. Um, and then we hear this thing about, you, you know, you're not in Chile anymore, and kind of implying that the things he had in Chile are protecting him from probably also being killed. Right, the people that we know, the people that you know, that's the only thing that's saving you. You can live, but you have a target on your back, basically. So that made me think that Don Eladio was afraid of somebody in Chile that Gus had connections with. Right, Gus must be connected to somebody, exactly, that he couldn't kill him because of who he knows. But Max, not so lucky. Yeah, Max was just a poor street kid that Gus helped in Chile and got him to college and got his engineering degrees and kind of tagged along with them along the way. But um, so Don Eladio doesn't want this business. He he shuts it down and puts Gus in his place. Um, But we go back to the future now, or the present, I guess. And Gus comes up to Tio and says, look at me, Hector. (laughs) He wants him to look at him. And maybe today's the day. And, you know, did you know what he wanted him to say or what the day was going to be? What, what was the what was that intimate moment with Hector that he was always after? I'm thinking that he's killed his cousins, he's killed everybody that he knows, except for you know what we've got coming in the future. But I don't really know exactly what they're talking about. Yeah, he really taunted Hector. He told him about the cousins, which are his nephews, right? Mm-hmm. And they told him about uh, Juan Bolsa, which was his part, one of his partners, or maybe even, maybe even his boss, Tio Hector's boss. Certainly a pretty high-up guy that he would have been sad to see get killed. But Gus just revels in telling about these people being killed and how they got killed and how people were warned and, and you know protected each other in order to kill his relatives and his boss and his partners. Um, but he ends up just saying maybe next time and gets up to leave. Now, Kelly, Gus is wearing out the floor of that nursing home with his chairs. He's dragging those chairs. We see, it do it, see him do it a few times. He's not worried about how lo- loud those damn chairs are scraping on the floor. I think that he likes people to know he's coming. But, it, you know, he does have a lot that he's facing. I mean, he's, he's up against the cartel. He's up against the DEA. And he's also up against kind of like the Heisenberg assassination squad. So... You know, he might be getting taking his uh, revenge out on Tio, but he's got a lot that is chasing after him right now. Yeah, but Gus was a partner with the cartel. He was the distribution network for the cartel. Mm-hmm. And as far as I could tell, that was all working pretty well. He just wanted to accelerate it and get get this revenge on them and maybe get a little bit more profit by making his own product in the States instead of having to import it from Mexico. 
Exactly. He he got his own uh, enterprise going. No, I actually felt sorry for Hector a few times with Gus taunting him like this because he's the old man now. He's debilitated with a stroke or whatever happened to him. He's in a wheelchair with the oxygen. I actually felt sorry for Hector a few times, but not after this scene, not after the pool scene with Max. Right, right. That's the thing is you think, like, what a jerk, but... You know, they've all got their beds to lie in, and he's been just as bad. I'm sure he's got a long death trail himself. But, yeah, it was kind of sad to see him taunting him like that. Yeah, Gus has been planning this revenge for a lifetime, and now we can see why. And it's it's valid for what we can see in this scene. It's, like, worth it almost. We can understand why he's so mad with with Tio. This is the West Coast Project podcast for the Breaking Bad recap for 408. And we're doing all this to lead up to our coverage of Better Call Saul. And we'll do those episodes when they start to come out next month. And we're getting pretty close now, Kelly. I heard somebody say yesterday they were like six weeks. Sunday was six weeks exactly to the day from the first episode. I've been, I posted today, it's, it's 34 days. Um, and I, I do have something interesting about that show is that the disappear Ed will be coming back. So that should be interesting how they're going to integrate that into the plot. Yeah, Robert Forster, right? Mm-hmm. I love that guy. He was great in uh, Jackie Brown, and he's kind of an old school criminal movie, criminal show type character actor, too. Yeah, funny. He was a vacuum cleaner salesman before he became an actor, ironically enough. And that's his, uh, that's his front for the disappearer, too. Uh-huh. Vacuum cleaner. Pretty cool. Yeah. So this is West Coast Project, our coverage for Better Call Saul. My Twitter handle is at Scathing Tweets. Kelly, what's your Twitter? BRBA underscore Fun Facts. And why don't you give us your websites again? We have Breaking Bad Fun Facts and Better Call Saul Fun Facts on Instagram and better, uh, Breaking Bad Fun Facts on Facebook. Awesome. So come to West Coast Project and find all the podcast feeds and leave a vote for us in iTunes if you can or Stitcher or TuneIn Radio, whichever you prefer. And we'll see you next time on 409 Bug. Sounds good. Okay, Kelly, I'll talk to you then. Thanks. Bye.